All right, we are going to continue our series. We've got just a couple uh, weeks left in the Abundant Life Skills series. And so we'll finish that up next week. But uh, here's what we've been talking about. We've been doing a series called Abundant Life Skills. You know, there are various life skills you need in order to be able to succeed. You know, like you've got to be able to get a driver's license and drive. You know, otherwise you can't get to work, that sort of thing. You've got to learn how to do your laundry and do the dishes. You know, you've got to be able to floss and brush your teeth and all that stuff. You know, basic hygiene things. You know, there's just... Now you've got to learn how to use fancy phones so that you can communicate with people. You know, these are just basic life skills that you've got to be able to learn in order to be able to function. Well, you know, we're called not just to life, but to life more abundantly, to life to the full. And we've got to learn the skills necessary in order to apprehend that. And we've read a couple of uh, scriptures with outlandish promises. Outlandish promises. And so let's read those again as way of recap and see what we're trying to get to. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 says this, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Prolong your life many years, that means greater quantity of life, and bring you prosperity. The word translated there is the word shalom, usually translated peace. It means that it will go well with you. It's not just financial. This is all-encompassing. Peace. Longer quantity of life, better quality of life. That sounds pretty good. And then John 10.10, Gospel of John, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The King James, have life and have it more abundantly. These are mind-boggling promises. Wouldn't you agree? I say these promises are strong enough that if we actually try to believe them, it might even be a little bit scary. You ever been intimidated by believing a promise? Like, ooh, I don't, I'm not sure that's actually going to happen. It could be a little bit scary. Life, life more abundantly, life to the full. Is that what God wants for us or not? Well, man, we've talked about a whole lot of things. And I believe the Bible. I believe that we can look at these promises and believe for them. But of course, reading the promise and apprehending, grab a hold of the promise, are two totally different things. Just because I've read life and life to the full, okay, now I must have it, right? Well, of course not. You know, that's the big Christian lie, is that I can read a promise in the Bible, just sort of think positive thoughts about it, change nothing about my life, and then the promise will come to pass. Well, it's not going to. Unless we change something, we're not going to be able to apprehend the promises. Unless we start living God's ways, unless we start learning the abundant life skills that we need to be able to get to that place, we're not going to see the promises come to pass. And so that's why we've been looking at abundant life skills, been trying to get a hold of the things that will help us get to that place. We talked about all kinds of stuff we talked about faith. What was the second week? What did we talk about the second week? Self-identity. I always forget that one. It's a little bit more like ethereal. Understanding who you are in Christ. Man, if we can understand who we are, that's a big deal. If we can have faith, hear Jesus in this din of religion, and follow Jesus, if we can understand who we are in Christ. Then we talked about money, Man, you, gotta, you don't handle money right, it can pull you out of abundant life. 
Even then we talked about impo- in, yeah, whoops. intimacy. Careful now. Careful, boy. Careful, boy. Intimacy. Enunciate, young man. Intimacy, very important. You don't get that right, it can pull you out of abundant life. Last week, our very own Pastor Larry talked about the renewing of the mind. Seeing, seeing reality instead of fantasy. Seeing the truth instead of falsehood. Oh man, believing lies, not just about yourself like we covered in the second week, but believing lies about the world will pull you out of abundant life. You won't understand how the world works. You won't understand how things go. You'll be just deceived in so many different ways. So the renewing of the mind is essential. And this week, we're going to talk about overcoming. We're going to talk about the abundant life skill of overcoming. So let's pray We'll get into some new material this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this day. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Father, that we don't just wander around on this earth and do the best we can, but you guide us by your spirit and you guide us by your word. Guide us this morning. Help us to grab hold of your truth and be able to live it out. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I believe believe this book holds the keys to life and life more abundantly. Amen. I should say hi to my RV Maps people. Do you know we got RV Maps people going to help build the church for us? Yeah. We got Peter and Lila. We got Joe and Nancy. Everybody else just come and watch them work and it'll be really great. (laughs) Encourage them, you know, that sort of thing. But, uh, so exciting to have people coming together. It's, it's amazing. All right. Overcome. We all must face those times in our lives when either we crumble, we run away, or we fight to overcome. Right? We all face those seasons. It can be a moment. It could be a five-year period where we either crumble or we run, or we fight to overcome. I'll give you a hint. I'm going to come on the side of fight to overcome. All right? We're going to fight. We're going to battle. We are going to be the type of people who are willing to engage and believe to overcome. Everyone has those seasons, those times, and usually a lot of them over life. Right? We need to be able to overcome. If we aren't able to overcome, if instead we crumble, if instead every time trouble happens we run away, we're not going to get into abundant life. We're just going to repeat the same cycles. We're just going to have the same failures. We're just going to never get there. So we must learn the skill, the abundant life skill of the ability to overcome. Now, These moments in time where we are tempted to crumble, where we are tempted to flee, these are normal things. Let's go to the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 33. I believe Larry might have read this one last week. So this is a good segue. Jesus says, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So Jesus is saying this to his disciples shortly before he's going to be captured, 
and tried and crucified, and the disciples are going to go through a very difficult time. And so he says to them, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Peace when? Peace when their leader, the one they have said, you are my Lord. You are the Son of God. You are the Messiah. You are the one who will bring the truth to this world in the time when that person who they look to would be taken away, would be tried, would be sentenced to death and executed. And they would see it all happen. He says, in that situation, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. Does that sound like a peaceful time? Is that peace on the inside or on the outside? That peace has got to be on the inside because it is not on the outside. In this world, you will have trouble. Yeah, I guess so. Peter was about to deny the Lord three times. The rest were going to scatter. John was going to get in and watch it happen. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus says, this is the normal Christian life. That we will face things where we either crumble, flee, or overcome. It happens to all of us. It will happen to us repeatedly throughout our lives. And we must choose. Are we going to crumble? Yield to crumbling? Let ourselves crumble? Are we going to just run away? Or are we going to fight? Are we going to overcome This word trouble, in this world you will have trouble. Literally, it means pressure. It it has the idea of a crowd of people pushing against you. It's pressure. It's translated affliction. It's translated tribulation. You know how the Bible talks about the great tribulation? Yeah, that's this word. (laughs) Except with the word great in front of it. Tribulation. Um. It's translated persecution. It's translated anguish. Have you noticed that? That in this world you will have trouble? It's just how it goes, isn't it? And you can believe in the Lord Jesus and you will still have trouble. Fortunately, though, you will have some tools to overcome. Because all of us face trouble, believer or not. But the believer has help. The believer is not alone. The believer has the living God to see us through. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. They had no idea what that meant. But they were going to find out. This word trouble is the same word that's used in the parable of the sower to talk about the people who are the seed that's sown in the rocky soil, in the shallow soil. So if you know that parable, Jesus tells this parable about a sower goes out to sow seed, some falls on the path, you know, he's, he's planting his garden, he's planting the field, some falls on the path, birds come and eat it up, some falls in the shallow rocky soil, it springs up quickly but then it withers, some falls among weeds and it gets choked out by the weeds, others falls in the good soil, produces a crop 
160 or 30 times what was sown. And then Jesus interprets that. And in Matthew 13, um, 21, we get the interpretation of the shallow soil, the rocky soil. Jesus says, but since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. So this is, in this world you will have trouble. When trouble or persecution comes, it's not like an if, is there? When it comes, because it will, some people won't have a deep enough connection with God and they will crumble. They will wither. They will flee from God. But others who have a deeper root, who have a deeper connection with God, will have the strength to do battle and overcome. Now, overcome, that means to struggle and prevail. It it doesn't just mean to nobly fight and lose. It means to nobly fight and win. (laughs) I, I like that. Jesus overcame the world. He didn't lose. He won. And in Him, we can also overcome. All right. You guys catching this? I'm feeling good. Feeling like we're catching on here? Because this isn't just going to automatically happen, right? You know, I have overcome the world. Oh, isn't that nice? What a nice verse. And then you just move on with your life. Well, guess what? We have to fight for this. You know, we've got to grab hold of it. We've got to realize when we're going through one of these moments in time, oh, this is the trouble that it was talking about. Okay, well, how am I going to have peace in this? You know, how am I going to overcome with Jesus? How, how am I going to do this? We've got to fight for it. We've got to battle through it. Overcome what? Took a drink. Overcome what? Here's some examples in the Bible of things that either overcome people, people overcome, the church overcomes, things like that. Bible examples. The gates of hell. Come on. Unbelief. Remember that one? Help me overcome my unbelief. Fear. Overcome fear. The power of the enemy. Overcome the world. Overcome evil. Sensual desires. The corruption of the world. The evil one. And false prophets. These are Bible examples of situations where people are either overcome or they overcome or we're told as a group to overcome. Many of these battles are on the inside. Some of these battles are on the outside. We have things we need to overcome on the inside of us. Fear. Unbelief. A variety of other things. And we've got things we have to overcome on the outside. Start with the stuff on the inside. All right? Start in here, because that's going to help you out a ton with the stuff on the outside. What else? What are some other examples of things that we need to overcome? 
Because that's not an exhaustive list. It's just a list. Other examples, overcome poverty. Is it okay to battle against poverty in this world? Absolutely. Overcome sickness. Are you rebelling against God if you go to the doctor? No, go to the doctor and pray. We want to overcome sickness. We want to overcome poverty. We want to overcome, oh, there's a couple good ones. Overcome your past. Does your past own you? I hope not. Overcome it. Tear it up. The doom loop. That's kind of an, if if you're familiar with Matt Keller's S-curve thing, you know how sometimes you're going through life and you just seem to repeat the same problem over and over again? He calls that the doom loop. That's where things go good for a while, but then inevitably, you know, like the things fall apart. You know, like you, hey, I always do really good at my job for the first year. The second year is always a tough one. And I've always got a different job after that. You know, like, and you do that, well, that's the doom loop. You know, that's what is going on with that. You know, like, well, I have this relationship cycle I keep going through. That's the doom loop. That's something to overcome. That's something to realize. If I'm repeatedly experiencing this, it's probably got something to do with me. I should deal with what's going on with me and get out of that loop. I'm going to give you a personal example of a situation that involved overcoming. Now, when I got saved, I was not a Christian person. You know, people tell me that they weren't Christians and then they got saved, but I find out they went to church for eight years and then they, you know, like when they were kids or something, like, hey, that's cheating. I mean, I I didn't even know who, I didn't know who the Apostle Paul was. I had heard there was a New Testament and an Old Testament, but I didn't know the difference. I knew the Bible was the Christian book, but I didn't know any of the books of the Bible. I mean, I didn't, I had, I had been to church like till I was about three, then my parents quit going, and then I went once in seventh grade. That was it. I didn't know Easter was a Christian holiday. So when I got saved, I had no idea what was going on. No clue. You know, I was a preacher before I figured out what the sinner's prayer was. You know, because I just read the Bible. It wasn't in there. I'm like, I don't know what these people are talking about, but it seems important. I wish they would tell me because I'm a preacher now and I'm embarrassed to ask. So, you know. (laughs) But anyway, I knew I was called to preach. You ever know something? You just know it. In fact, I had a pain in my chest for 10 years knowing I've got to say something. I could feel it for a decade. But I had no background. I knew nobody in the Christian world. You know, when I got saved, there were some people I had known for, about, known for about five weeks that were believers. And these were not very well-connected people anyway. I had no background, no pedigree, nothing. So, and then, then of course, I became a philosophy student, so that wasn't helpful either. So people were like, Christians were afraid of me. Because, again, I'd ask terrible questions, and it was quite a deal. Um, 
So I had a bad background. No connections, no opportunities. I didn't even know what kind of church to go to. I had no encouragement after sharing with the people in my life that I felt led to go into ministry. Uh, My strongest spiritual mentor in my life, if I'd have followed his advice, I would not be preaching today. And my wife was 100% dead set against it. I'm serious. Like, we could only, there she is, we could only talk about it in the car at 60 miles an hour. If we were in town and we hit a stoplight, she's out of the car. You know, I mean, like, it was not, it was just not okay. I had no encouragement to follow up on that. Then they they let me preach once at church. I think maybe they were like, well, this will get it out of his system. They let me preach once at church. And then they started encouraging me after that. But I still had the wife to work on. Then one day she said, you know, if this is what God's called you to do, I'm with you. I still remember that day. But that didn't solve the problem, did it? I had kids being born. I had a family to support. I didn't have any Christian schooling or anything like that. I had to take, as you know, philosophy doesn't get you real far in the Christian world. And uh, so I had to take correspondence classes. I had to work at 5 o'clock in the morning. So I'd get up at 3.30. I got up at 3.30 for 18 months to get my classes done. Got those done. I still didn't have any connections inside the Christian world because I was going to an independent Pentecostal church that everybody thought was just nutcases. And so that didn't help me out any. So I had to pay my own way. I got a preaching job, but I had to pay my way. I had to, you know, nobody was going to pay me to do that. I I had to work full time just to support my preaching habit. Did that for years. And now, now look at this. Wonderful congregation, beautiful building, getting paid. (laughs) The wife's on board. I mean, it's all working out. You know what I mean? Like, it's all working out. But it wasn't like it was an easy road. There was battles along the way. There was fighting that had to happen. Old Testament survey took me six months. You know, I mean, that was a process. Let me ask you this question. Oh, I'm on the radio. I'm a radio preacher. Did you know that? I meet people. They're like, aren't you on the radio? I'm like, I am on the radio. Let me ask you this question. What must you overcome to be who God has made you to be? What do you need to overcome? Because that's a universal situation. All of us have things we have to overcome. There isn't anyone who gets out of that deal. All of us must overcome. How do we do that?
just to make it fun, I have a list of four things that we need in order to be able to overcome. Number one is faith. Let's look at 1 John chapter 5. I got way too much scripture to be able to read all of it and focus on it the right ways, but we're going to crank through it here. John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out his commands. How many of you want to love God? Yeah, it shows you in the next verse. Here we go. Verse 3. This is love for God. To obey his commands. Isn't that disappointing? You know, like, oh, I actually have to do the stuff the Bible says? I thought I was just going to love God and be forgiven all the time. This is love for God, to obey His commands. And His commands are not burdensome. Have you, have you, do you hear Christians say that very often? Yeah, but following God's easy. That's really not that big of a deal. <laughs> it's not really a burden. You know, He says, take my yoke upon you, but it's really not much of a yoke. Do you hear that? Oh, no, it's hard. Being a believer is hard. You know, that's how people talk. That's not what the Bible says. I mean, you've got to carry your cross and follow him. And Jesus will ask you sometimes to do that unto death, <laughs> which could seem hard. But there's peace on the inside. Like, ah, it's not that. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> Commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. Isn't that exciting? That means that the things that used to pull you down are things that you overcome. Now, overcome implies a fight. It implies that you have to engage the battle and prevail. It doesn't mean that it just magically happens because you read a verse. It means that you have to engage, but that you will be given the ability and the tools to get the victory. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Verse 5. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So our faith allows us to overcome our faith in Jesus as the Son of God. Faith allows us to overcome, to love God by obeying His commands, by not having it be a burden. Did you know that God's will is for you to enjoy following the commands of God? And for it not to be a grip that pulls you down, that you're constantly gritting your teeth against, but to have overcome it? It's an amazing thing. Our faith. Have you ever needed to overcome eating that cookie? Anybody ever been on a diet? Let me tell you, when you believe that cookie no longer has control over you, but you can make your decisions, you will have overcome that cookie. But when you're thinking, that cookie's calling my, it has a control over me. It owns me. I have to eat, I have to eat it. But when you say, no, I don't have to eat that cookie. I believe I don't need to eat that cookie. I believe I can choose whether or not I eat that cookie. Once you're able to believe that, you're able to not eat the cookie. Let me tell you, you don't need to eat the cookie. Overcome by faith. Second thing we need to overcome is to not quit. Everyone wants to quit. 
Let me tell you, you'll feel like you got two options, quit or die, right? I mean, the, the die thing is an illusion. You will survive. And if you don't quit, you will succeed. The late Mark Denius, founder of Emmanuel Christian Center down in the cities, wonderful preacher man. I went to, I, I just love talking to him. He's one of the guys that laughed at me when I told about the financial need that we had, you know, laughed and walked away, didn't pray for me or nothing. Anyway, Mark Danius, great guy. I was at one of a, the a question and answer thing where they were asking him, you know, hey, how do you succeed? Because at that time he had the largest Assembly of God church in the state of Minnesota, 5,000 people, all this amazing stuff. He started it and was there 40 years later. And, and uh, uh, they asked him, what books would you suggest that we read in order to be able to, you know, he said, I got two books for you, the Old Testament and the New Testament, you know, and it, he's that kind of guy. And, and uh, they said, well, what's the secret? And he said, well, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Don't quit. There'll be days where you want to quit. Just don't. All of a sudden, you'll realize you got somewhere. Don't quit. We need to have faith. We need to not quit. Hebrews 10, 35 through 39. Let's just read straight through that. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Amen. Don't quit. That's a... Everyone has to face that. Every single human being has to face that thing of, I want to quit. I want to I give up. Don't quit. The thing we talked about last week is huge, renewing of the mind. So faith, don't quit. Renewing of your mind. Start seeing things the right way. We read this last week, Romans 12. I'm going to read 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Renewing of the mind, to be able to see things the right way, to know that God's commands are not burdensome. Does that take mind renewal? It does if you've been taught your whole life, yeah, serving God's hard, it's miserable, terrible, and worth, oh, it's hard. Well, guess what? It says here it's not burdensome. Now, persecution can be burdensome. But following God's commands, that's the way to abundant life. Mind renewal, understanding things the right way, is absolutely huge. Oh, I got two things here that were huge in mind renewal for me. I grew up thinking that emotions were a sign of weakness. Do you know God shows emotions? I'm like, God has emotions. Well, God can't be weak. What's going on? There was a specific situation I was in. I was shown, and it got in my heart. Emotions are part of the richness of living this life. They can sure pull us in bad ways, but so can all kinds of other things. But emotions, godly emotions, harnessed properly so that in our anger we do not sin, those sorts of things. But emotions are part of the richness of this life. We're to love God. That's not just a 
bland choice. That's a, a heart thing. That's an emotion. If it's just a choice, it's so shallow. Our heart should just melt in the presence of the living God. What a blessing that is. Emotions are good. I had to have mind renewal for that. Another area of mind renewal for me was understanding false saviors. What rescues you? I will submit Jesus is a very fine savior. But some people are rescued by sickness. Sickness makes a bad savior. Imagine you're in seventh grade. And you have a test in math. And you're not ready for it. What will save you from that test? Two things. Being sick or a snowstorm. Right? Those are the two things that will save you. So we're looking for personal illness or natural disaster. Are those good saviors? No, bad saviors. You get in a pattern of expecting sickness to save you, and guess what? It'll take you down. We need to be able to see the false saviors. Like some people think, well, punching someone in the face, that's going to solve my problems. Is that going to? No, it's not going to solve your problems. That's a false, false sense of overcoming. So we need to be able to see the right things. The renewing of the mind is essential to overcoming. And oh, the last one is so big. Use the right weapons. It's a fight, right? We've got to engage the battle. We need to use the right weapons. Remember when Jesus, uh, when Jesus said in, in John 16 there, you know, take heart, I have overcome the world. In this world, you'll have trouble. He says to the disciples, he says, get some swords. You guys need some swords. And you know what they said? We've already got some. You know? <laughs> and, and Peter was like, and I got the big one, you know? And so then when the other guys came, Peter's like, whoa! He smacks this guy and cuts off his ear. Do you think he was aiming at his ear? I'm thinking he's going to split that guy right down the middle of his head. And he dodged a little bit and, you know, I mean, that's probably how it worked. Do you remember those old helmets? Why do the ears are sticking out? You know, like that. Anyway. Bam. That's probably how that happened. I don't know. I'm just trying to fill it in. Use the right weapons. Was a sword what Jesus had in mind? No, he was like, so you can point it and get out of there. He wasn't meaning so you can start killing people. He meant for that to be a way that they could escape. And... In our world, we have to do battle. We have to overcome things on the inside. We need need to use the right tools. Shame is a bad one. Just hating yourself, that's a bad tool for overcoming the things that are wrong in your life. Don't use that one. Get rid of that one. And then on the outside, hallelujah, United States of America, is is it kind of messed up? Yeah, do we need to overcome things in our culture? Absolutely. Do we overcome those things with hate? No, wrong tool, wrong weapon. What is God's ultimate weapon in this war? I'm going to go with love. And all the things motivated by love. Not hate, but love. We need to use the right weapons. I'm going to call the the. the communion people up. It's the first Sunday of the month, so we're going to have communion. I had good hope you can take communion if you want to. Uh, If you don't want to, that's fine as well. We don't 
worry about people's backgrounds and the cards you carry and that sort of thing. Um, but make it real between you and God. I'm gonna, do we have a separate prayer team besides the communion people? I'm going to have the prayer team come up too. If we got, we got a prayer team over there. Perfect. Look at how many people it takes just to have church. God's ultimate weapon in this war is love. And the greatest expression of God's love is what we celebrate at communion. It's that Jesus was willing to die on the cross to save us from sin and to overcome death. You know, the disciples were not that impressed with Jesus dying on the cross. In today's world, Jesus dying on the cross gets a whole lot of play. The disciples didn't think that was a really good thing because they didn't understand what was going on. But when Jesus rose from the grave, they knew he's overcome death itself. He can be assassinated and he will not be injured, but he will be brought into the fullness of what he's been called to and we're in with him. That's why they were all willing to die. They're like, well, death is conquered. This is not burdensome. They all thought death was death. Now they know death is resurrection. And death is glorification. And death is eternal life in the glory of God. That's not burdensome. When did Jesus die for me? After I trusted in him or before? He died first. This is love. Let's read Romans chapter 5. We're going to read 6 through 8. It says this. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 7. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is the love that overcomes the darkness of this world. Adding hate does not help. Adding Judgment does not help. We're to love others as Jesus loved us. How did he love me? You know, I used to talk people out of their faith. I was pretty good at that. Jesus loved me when I was still a sinner. So much that he would sacrifice himself to give me the chance to be forgiven. He's done that for each one of us. He's done that for everyone who does not know him. Let's receive that love fully.
to the depth of who you are, know that your Lord loves you that much. But when you receive that love, I ask you to also reflect that love. Reflect it to those who are still sinners that they may know the love of the living God. So let's pray. Let's receive communion together this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have overcome the world and you have overcome through love. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for paying this price. Thank you for bringing us in. We know your love. We receive it. Help us to see it more and more. And Lord, when we receive your love and we have it fully in our hearts, let it overflow. Let us reflect your love to a broken and lost world. Let us show who you are to people who don't know you. We give you thanks and we give you praise. You are awesome. Let's partake together. This is the body of Christ which was broken for you. Hallelujah. And this is the blood of Christ which was shed for you. Oh Lord, we honor you. We worship you. You are so good. You are so good. I pray for each person here that you would show us the way to overcome things that we need to engage the battle in and get victory in. Lord, give us that power. Help us to walk in those ways. Bless us and encourage us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You can come on down for personal prayer. The prayer team is here. Otherwise, you are dismissed. Say hi to somebody you don't know and encourage them in the Lord this morning.